0: Welcome to another episode on the Shoop Sports Broadcast Channel with my favorite sports oh. analyst, primordial, Of course, that oh. is all right, Mister okay. Tion Scroche.
1: We're back, baby. We're back. Yes, for Let's go. part two
0: of our power rankings. Part two. Yes, we got rid of the uh the. The losers. (laughs) The the losers. And now we're going into our top 16. So we're going to reveal who we think the best teams in the NFL are. We're going to count down again from bottom to top. And we're not going to waste much time. So we're going to get right into it. Coming in at number 16. The New York Giants. The New York Giants are in a bit of a pickle at this very moment with uh, their franchise player, Saquon Barkley. And really, his availability this coming season could potentially make make them go higher, could drop them a qu- quite a bit lower. So first, let me ask you, what do you make of the Saquon situation? What do you think ends up happening?
1: Um, I actually think they end up paying him. Uh, I, it's very weird because basically Saquon is looking around and he's looking at Daniel Jones getting paid. He's looking at Dexter Lawrence getting paid on the defensive end. He's saying you know, you guys are paying all these people that were really important to last year's team that made the playoffs, want a playoff game. I want my money. Um, and, he, you know, whether or not he deserves it, I think that depends on how you feel about how important running backs are. But uh, Saquon is certainly very important to the Giants. And he knows that someone out there would give him the money that he's asking for. So I think he eventually gets paid. Um, I've heard now it's more like 50-50, whether they'll get it in on the deadline. So I feel like they will. I don't think the giants want to just like, I don't think Dabble and their GM, uh, Joe Shane want to pay Saquon, but I think they're going to end up doing it. And in the short term, I think it's very good. Like this is a team that looking around the NFC, you know, there's not that many teams that are better than them. I was even looking like we have them 16th when we kind of put our list together. I even said, like, I feel like we might have them a little too low. Um, I think a lot of the obviously this top 16, I think there's a lot of great teams, but, you know, this is a team that won a playoff game last year. They've got, I would argue, one of the best coaches in the league, even though he's only coached one season. And so, um, while I think our ranking is pretty good for them. I could easily see them creep more closer to the top 10. Um, Yeah.
0: So let's say let's say Saquon plays, which is what what I expect, because the Giants have no leverage anyway. They're they're not they're not going to let him sit. So I think he's going to play. Yeah. So here's where I think the Giants could ascend into that top 10 team. If Evan Neal takes that next step as last year's top 10 pick, if he takes that next step with combined with Andrew Thomas on the left and that decent interior line, Giants could possess one of the best O-lines in the league. So say what you want about the receivers. If Daniel Jones is protected at an elite level, that run game is going to be really good with that play calling. And if he's got all the time in the world, it's the giants will win a handful of games uh, a couple of things going against them though. The defense while, while good, it's still missing some key pieces. They're still weak at linebacker. Uh, they're, they got young, you get, they got young outside corners. They got a Dory Jackson, but he's better in a nickel. So their secondary in general is just kind of young. And uh, the, the first half of the season, their schedule is kind of brutal. So uh, those are kind of factors going against them, but you know, you, you, If you're a giants fan you gotta have hope because brian dable's in charge
1: yeah it's also for what it's worth just a a quick thing it doesn't like saquon will play because it doesn't benefit him to sit out at all like basically if he doesn't play at all everything just kind of gets pushed a year so he would just be on the franchise tag next year so he's going he's going to be playing but whether or not he's happy about it is yet to be seen
0: yes so that'll be a, a developing story that may be covered soon so We'll move on from the Giants for now and go to our number fifteen team. Now, this this is probably our biggest discrepancy of all teams in the power rankings. Yeah. You have the Steelers list at eighteen; they're my number ten team in the league. So, average out to fifteen. Uh, so, I'm sure you'd love to hear my reasoning for why I like the Steelers this year. Um, I would. I would. So, why what made the Steelers not crack your top sixteen?
1: um Kenny Pickett most notably uh I think they have probably like I I would argue they have a bottom 10 quarterback in the league um I I I mean I just really don't see him having any elite qualities that would bring up that offense I think they have good receivers um but but at the same time I think a lot of those receivers are getting a bit overrated including Deontay Johnson and George Pickens and even Najee Harris in the backfield their offensive line while I think it got a little bit better I don't think it matches exactly what they want to be or can be on offense um they have the same offensive coordinator and so I think well I think the Steelers are a good team however combined with their division being really tough I don't really believe in Kenny Pickett if T.J. Watt gets injured they're absolutely screwed because like they always are I I just think they're not as exciting as they could be however I will say if Kenny Pickett does take more of a leap in his second year then I could absolutely see them maybe not go as high as 10 but I think 15 would be more fair for the talent on the roster.
0: All right. So here's here's a critical piece, and it might be the most overlooked stat of last year among all the teams in the league. The Steelers finished nine and eight when T.J. Watt wasn't on the field. They went one and seven. But when he was on the field, they went eight and two with losses to the Bengals and Ravens, to their great division rivals. So the Steelers were elite on defense, and that was with a rookie, Kenny Pickett, who is, you know, making rookie mistakes. Now he goes into his second year, develops continuity with his receivers, and he's got the chance to at least take that leap. My number 10 ranking really doesn't hinge a whole lot on Kenny Pickett, but he has the ability to to take him higher. It hinges on that elite defense and great coaching. How Mike Tomlin somehow willed his team to get over five hundred after that poor start last year is quite a sight to see, and it's just a class organization that you really can't count out. It's kind of like how the commanders, you know, no matter who they add or the Browns, they're always going to be kind of shit. Well, wh- whatever happens with the Steelers, no matter like what kind of drama goes down, they're still going to have a good season. So, uh, that's... Point. Those, those are my main reasons. All right, so... Going ahead, we have the Vikings. We both put at 14. Naturally, they do land at our number 14 spot. The Vikings had maybe one of the weirdest seasons in NFL history last year. 13-4 and with a negative point differential. I guess kind of predictably, (laughs) they got trounced by Giants in the first round. And by trounce, I mean their defense was just absolutely exposed on national television. Did they do enough to make their defense better so they don't have the same problems here no
1: um <laughs> yeah I'm i mean the vikings i think out of all these teams in the top the vikings are really the one where we're like low on like 14 for 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 how the vikings have been in the recent years 14 is low for them right like and I think the one thing going for them is the rest of the division is still sort of up in the air. Um, But my thing is, I, I look at their, like you mentioned, their defense. They really don't have many playmakers on the defensive side. Daniel Hunter is a great edge rusher, and I think up front they're pretty good. But, you know, they, they just don't have that elite quality that you're looking for in a really good team, especially in a team... A team in a division with a lot of high flying offenses. The Lions were very good last year. You know, I'm wondering how they're going to even stop Justin Fields when he gets going next year. The big thing for the Vikings, their offense is still really good. They still have Justin Jefferson, the best receiver in the league, uh, drafted Jordan Addison, the first round, really solid rookie receiver. Their offensive line is really good. They have TJ Hawkinson, no more Dalvin Cook, but I'm not sure that exactly matters when we talk about how important running backs are in the NFL. However, all that being said, while Kirk, Cousins ha- while Kirk Cousins has been good for the Vikings, he's 35 years old. Like This is around the point where we have seen a lot of quarterbacks begin to slowly fall off the cliff. And, you know, even up until this point, Kirk has kind of been slowly going there. And for quarterback cliffs, it is a cliff. They just suddenly go and they're just not as good. I don't know if that's going to exactly happen to Kirk Cousins, but... For a team that I think is going to have to be putting up between 25 to 30 plus points a game because their defense, I don't know if he's going to be able to keep it up for the entire season.
0: Yeah, I want to take this section out to just say Kirk Cousins is a bit underappreciated. He is, you know, he is overpaid. Uh, I think that contract, you know, it did screw the Vikings a little bit with the ability to add talent around him. But, you know, he kind of knocked off that like. Um, he loses big games. Uh, yeah. Mantra last year, you know, he had some really big wins, including um, spectacular comeback versus the Bills. Um, but the yeah, the issue of the Vikings persists. Their defense is just not good enough. They're gonna get they're gonna get run over. They're gonna get they're gonna get passed over. And you know, the offense is gonna be explosive, but it's just gonna be a lot of high scoring games on both sides. It'll be fun to watch from neutral perspective. But there's no reason to think that they're gonna be able to stop an elite offense once they get to the postseason. Agreed. Moving on, within the NFC North, the Detroit Lions. You have them at your number 15 team. I have them higher at number 11. The, the Lions were a great story last year. They, I mean, everyone loves Dan Campbell and what he's done to his franchise. They're a fun team to root for because they've really never had anything. And the fact that they played hard to beat the Packers last year when they were already out of playoff contention shows a lot about how well coached they are. But where do the Lions take it that momentum into this year?
1: Well, I I think very similar to last year, you know, having that tenacious identity, like they really want to have. They got off to that slow start, if you remember last year. Very good offense, but their defense was just not good at all. But then they finished strong, and then they won that last game in Lambeau, which is really big for them, and it will kind of set the tone going into this season. Um, look, it's no secret the Lions' offense is very good. I think they have a, some question marks a bit at receiver. After Amon Ross St. Brown, Jamison Williams, who was the rookie that they picked last year coming off an ACL injury, he didn't really play. And now he's suspended for the first six games. Um, They don't really have a tight end. They drafted one uh, in in this last draft. And so, you know, trying to replace TJ Hawkinson and then running back, I think it's also a bit of a question mark. Again, they drafted one, but you're starting to see that a lot of these skill positions on offense, there's a lot of young guys. Now they've got veteran guys around like Jared Goff, who's going to lead the whole thing, and Amonas St. Brown. However, having all those young guys coming together at once, I think can be pretty difficult. The big thing is their offensive line is insanely good. A top 10 offensive line in the league, I would argue top five, really no weakness, which is, I think, is a, a sign of not only an offensive line that is elite, but also like even if one of those guys gets hurt throughout the season or two of them. They still have depth to make sure that they're going to continue rolling. I'm curious to see what this offense is going to look like. I think the defense got better as well. They added a few guys in the offseason. And so I think they should expect to improve upon their record from last year. I think the question is whether or not they can take that leap into that upper echelon, that top 10 teams.
0: Yes. So a lot of good points there. Um, I want to make a a claim here right now. So last year I said the Lions would surpass expectations and be a playoff team they almost made it very close uh, but yeah they're they're pretty close um i'm going to proclaim right now the lions as a dark horse super bowl contender oh and um they're probably going to be my super bowl wager this year which by the way last year was the Eagles yeah 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 and the, okay. year, the year before was the rams so right. my my super bowl wagers are pretty big deal um and key key stat i want to point out again so you know, the first, through week eight last year, they were one and six. Tons of injuries, and they gave yeah. up thirty two point eight points per game. Week nine and onward, they went seven and two. But even more critical, they that figure from thirty two points per game plummeted to twenty points per game, and that had a lot to do with the development of the pass rush. Aiden mm. Hutchinson proved himself to be elite, and then they had uh, I forget the James Houston, the other rookie. He exploded yeah. onto the scene. Charles Harris is going to make a big impact this year as well. And one thing the Lions did extremely well, even if they were reaches, quote unquote, every position that they picked, their first four picks, all filled a critical need that they really needed. And guys can step in right away. Running back Jameer Gibbs will make the offense more explosive. Sam Laporta, a viable target at tight end. Brian Branch will help that secondary, which also added Cam Sutton and Emmanuel Mosley in the offseason, giving them some veterans there. And then Jack Campbell. Uh, helps that linebacker weakness. I really don't see too many weaknesses on this Lions team besides maybe inexperience. And I think they're flying a little under the radar, even though they got, you know, the opening game on NBC versus the chiefs. So like some are starting to notice, I don't think everyone's noticing quite enough. So I'm putting them tame right now. I'm putting them at 11, both the weakness of the NFC and the fact that the Lions have receivers that can exploit the Eagles corners, which I think is their weakness. I have the Lions as a dark horse contender, and they may be my Super Bowl pick. Wow, wow, that's yes. a big deal. You, heard, you everyone, heard it here first. So before yeah, we get we before we get too riled up, we he got things to cover. So, uh, we'll talk. I'll talk more about the Lions in my NFC North episode with uh, Shaul next weekend. But moving on to number twelve, uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Same old story year after year. The Cowboys <laughs> have a great regular season. Tons of primetime games. Dak Prescott, oh, he's the, the best human being in the world, blah, blah, blah. And then they just go on and just do something so embarrassing in the playoffs. A couple of years ago, it was the failed spike attempt with zero seconds left. And then <laughs> this year, it was Zeke getting trucked before a hospital pass was thrown to promptly end the game. I, I love making fun of the Cowboys, but let's let's get real here. Did the Cowboys do enough this offseason to make, put
1: themselves at least over the eagles oh they're not over the eagles no no way the cowboys are so funny because the last two years i've been like surely they're gonna be bad like surely they can't keep this up and then they've gone 12 and 5 two years in a row which like if if this was any team not the Dallas cowboys um i think people would be calling them like a very consistent team and a team that is going to be a wild card team which i think they probably still will be but you know Obviously, they have a lot of expectations. The Eagles kind of lapped them, you know, just surpassed them in that division. I think that leaves a sour taste in fans' mouths. Um, The Giants made it further than them in the playoffs last year. And so, again, I'm kind of doing this thing of, like, I I don't – surely, like, they can't keep this up, right? Like, but I I think there are signs to point to where they could keep it up. Tony Pollard, who a lot of people have been calling to be the number one bell cow back, for the Cowboys for a few years, is finally that guy. No more Ezekiel Elliott. They might bring him back like toward the end of training camp just because no one else is going to sign him, but they've got Tony Pollard in the backfield now. The offensive line is continuing to get better. They put a lot of resources into that over the last couple of years after it was kind of aging a few years ago. Um, still have Ceedee Lamb, Michael Gallup. They brought in Brandon Cooks, who's the picture of consistency in the NFL. Uh, the big question mark on offense is going to be Dak Prescott, right? I think Dak Prescott is one of the most like hotly debated quarterbacks in the league because you've got a contention that believes he's really, really good, but you've got a contention, that believes he's so, so, and you've got a contention that believes he's utter garbage. So a lot of it's going to hinge on him. The defense, which has been the real calling card for the, for the Cowboys these last few years is going to be good once again. And so I think we have a fair ranking of them. Um, but again, like, they're a very volatile team, and I personally think they maybe should be a bit lower, but you know, I could eat my words again, and they'll be a playoff team and competing for the NFC Championship again.
0: Yeah, well, for sure, you mentioned the uh, the pass rush, and yeah, well, you said the defense, but yeah, the pass rush specifically is what made the Cowboys so dominant. They were wreaking havoc on quarterbacks last year, and that's what got them the success they had. Um, and then Tony Pollard, too he's gonna have have an absolutely explosive year i think he's gonna lead all running backs in scrimmage oh. this year he's
1: um, gonna be he's gonna be a bell cow guy they're gonna get him like a bunch of touches it's the offense is gonna run through him
0: it's his time to shine you know the the one real knock on the cowboys well i, I got two so one is mike mccarthy he's just yeah the most mid coach you can ever have. He's <laughs> just not creative with his play calling, as you could see at the play- end of the playoff game last year. But in general, he's just not very innovative. And Dak Prescott really rode a success early in his career on that elite offensive line. Yep. Tyron Smith has played like, he's missed like an astounding 58% of his possible games the last three years. So that once elite left tackle is just not able to be on the field with Zach Martin getting another year older as well, that offensive line just might continue to decline. They lost Connor McGovern as well. just don't think the protection is all that great, which will hurt them when they get into the postseason again and inevitably lose. But they'll win plenty of games because they got an exciting offense overall, and Micah Parsons is the best defensive player in the NFL.
1: So, For, for what it's worth, the other thing to mention, you mentioned Mike McCarthy. He is now going to be calling plays uh, for the Cowboys. Um, a- a- and the reason this is big is because their previous offensive coordinator, uh, who is now in LA with the chargers, Kellen Moore, former kind of NFL quarterback, <laughs> decent NFL quarterback, yeah. not, not really, <laughs> but Boise state, very good quarterback. Yeah. Um, the Cowboys have been number one in plays per game. Right, very high-tempo offense Uh, for the last like three years while Kellen Moore was the offense coordinator. Mike McCarthy, it, his teams that he has called plays for in terms of plays for game and the pace at which they run have never ranked higher than 19th in the NFL. Um, So that's going to be something really interesting to watch. I don't know how this offense is going to change with McCarthy being the guy. I think it was really, really good under Kellen Moore. I think it was as good as it could be. I don't know about that change, but... Clearly, Mike McCarthy thinks he's gonna do a better job, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, we will see. And we'll see if things change or probably won't. Um, going on to number eleven. So this is the other big discrepancy we had in our rankings. I have the Seahawks down at 15. You have them as the number eight team in the league coming in at number eleven. Lots of reason to believe in the Seahawks. And they're another great story. Geno Smith, comeback player of the year, fully deserved. And I really don't think it was a fluke. I think he looked he looked great. uh. But yeah, why do you have high expectations for the Seahawks this season?
1: Yeah, so I love the Seahawks this year. I would actually, uh, you know, you talked about the Lions being your dark horse team, Super Bowl team. I would call the Seahawks my team because I think the Seahawks last year did what people thought the Lions would do, which is yeah. now admittedly the Lions were very close. So, like you know, it was kind of a discrepancy tiebreaker. But make the playoffs, get playoff game experience with a really young team. They had a phenomenal draft class last year. I think they had a pretty good one this year as well. I think kind of related to what you were saying with the Lions, I don't really see many weaknesses on the Seahawks team. I think the one thing is they're not very good at stopping the run. Uh, that is the biggest thing, and they didn't really address it too much. A lot of young guys on that defensive line, however – I think the secondary is one of the best in the leagues. I think they arguably in terms of just body to by body, you know, going down their entire roster, probably one of the best receiving cores in the league as well. They just drafted Jackson Smith and Jigba. They still have Tyler Lockett. They still have DK Metcalf. A lot of it is going to hinge on Geno Smith. I, I'm i curious to see why you, you have them so low. I think a lot of the discrepancy for team for people looking at the Seahawks is Some think this was a fluke for Geno, where others think this was just a sign of things to come. And, you know, this is the kind of quarterback he could be. I tend to be in that second camp where I really like him. And especially I I think they got him even more weapons this year, uh, improved the offensive line again as well. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I think they are the definition of that young team that is right there on the precipice. Besides the 49ers, a fairly weak division, right? I mean, Cardinals and Rams, I think they should be expected to beat each of those teams twice. And so I think things are setting up nicely in a weak NFC for the Seahawks.
0: All right. So, you know, the thing with the NFL, you have these breakout players that um have these wonderful seasons. It's it comes as a surprise during the season when you have an entire offseason, though, to watch the film, to to like look at what he does. It it changes things a little bit, and what what is key for me really is momentum. Yes, the Seahawks did make the playoffs last year, but they really kind of just slowed down towards the end of the year. Um, Geno started having more turnovers, uh, making more mistakes, and yes, the run defense is is key. They they were they had some games where it was lost because of their run game. Think think the Raiders game. Um, hmm. I don't necessarily think the Seahawks will be a bad team. I think they'll be competitive and I think they'll fight for one of those last wildcard spots due to the week NFC. That and I think they while they have a you know easy division, I think they have some tough games on their schedule. You know, they they played the A AFC North and all four of those teams are really good. Mm-hmm. And they they uh play they play NFC East as well, you know, 49ers twice who who have kind of seemed to have their number recently. Um what i'm really looking for can that offensive line which was full of uh young players last year perform really well can they perform again if the if gino gets protected at an elite level then he's going to have room all day to find his receivers and this will be an explosive offense but i just i just get the feeling of regression and i i might be wrong but that's just my prediction fair fair all right so moving on into the top 10 we got the jackson Woo! jaguars who I actually had the privilege of going to Jacksonville last year for the week 18 game, absolute blast for time fans are like nothing else. Cause they have nothing else. Uh, oh, man. But, <laughs> but um, you have the Jaguars a bit higher than me. You have them at nine. I have them at 13 uh, Trevor Lawrence, you know, now he hit, he hit a breakthrough season. Now what are the expectations in year three, right? Three. Yep.
1: This is his okay. third year. Yeah. Um,
0: so- Expectation in year three.
1: I mean, he's really the reason why I have them so high. Uh, I think the Jaguars were like, basically, I felt worse about the Jaguars until we got to the playoffs. um, And then they won a game and they played pretty well in Kansas City. This is a very young team filled with guys that should be or at least they hope to be really big time playmakers, both on the offensive side and the defensive side. I think part of the reason I have them so high is because I, I think out of every division in the NFL, this is, seems like the most obvious one. I really don't think either the Texans Colts or Titans are going to even come close to challenging the Jaguars, for the division title. Now, admittedly, I don't think players think like this, but it could cause them to be a little lackadaisical throughout the season. Oh, you know, we know we're probably going to win the division. However, I think it could also allow them to be, Hey, we have a really good feeling we're going to be in the playoffs. You know, Let's keep it up. We, we know what our ceiling is. We know how we feel about this roster. And so it, it all circles around Trevor Lawrence. A lot of great young quarterbacks in the league. A lot of guys around that time, second, third, fourth year, making incredible leaps into being you know top five quarterbacks in the league. I think this is the year where he may be able to do it. There's a lot of really good quarterbacks, and I don't know if he'll exactly get there, but like we saw it with, Justin uh not Justin Fields excuse me Jalen Hurts last year bringing in a big time wide receiver and AJ Brown really helped him Jaguars trade for Calvin Ridley last year I think he's going to have a little bit of growing pains but continuing to add to the weapons around Trevor Lawrence is only going to make him better and in that really weak division for a Jaguars ascending roster I don't think they're going to have much trouble winning it
0: uh Christian Christian <laughs> I, I I absolutely agree The Jaguars will win the division I don't think it's a question the Jaguars feel like it, it's like if you're on a date and this girl's super into you the entire time <laughs> and you're just like, you know, you're having a good time. And then you just say, Hey, goodbye. Have go home. You never kiss her. It's just like the Jaguars. It's just like, I feel like they could have went for the kiss this off season and they, oh, just, I and they didn't go for the kiss.
1: I wasn't sure where you were going there. <laughs>
0: and like what I mean by that is they, you know, Trevor Lawrence is still on the rookie contract, and yes, they did spend a lot of money last offseason, but there's always a draft, you know, to improve your roster, and they they went left tackle to replace a suspended player, and then yeah. the next two picks were just absolute waste. They get Brendan Strange, who they don't need a tight end, and it was a huge reach, and they go for a second running back, which they have... They you know have ETN.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they
0: have ETN and they signed Darius Johnson. Like it's just you're just <laughs> like it's just like taking $10 and just throwing in the garbage like uh like uh we we'll win the division. We'll be fine. It's whatever. Listen, I I think Trevor Lawrence will have another phenomenal season and Calvin really will certainly help matters. But they missed but a missed opportunity to upgrade that defense which was the reason why they struggled so much last year and forced Trevor Lawrence to get into so many holes that he had to come back from. They their their secondary still has major problems. Uh their pass rush, you know, we're looking for Trayvon Walker to improve. Uh and you know, we want Josh Allen to go back to his dominant form that he had a couple of years ago. Like, but they they just didn't do enough on their defense to to warrant me thinking, like, yeah, let'll make the playoffs, but are they really going to compete with these other elite teams just by Trevor Lawrence throwing it? I just think the Jaguars should have done more. They'll, they'll I think win the- that's,
1: Yeah. I yeah, I I think we both think they win the division. I think that's very fair. Um and, and mainly like the Jaguars and then this next team we're gonna talk about. This is kind of where I stop going like they could be really good, but I'm not so sure. Like I think they're at the upper echelon of that just because like this next team, they have a very good quarterback.
0: Yeah, let's talk about him. The uh, Los Angeles Chargers with Justin Herbert. He is a god. I mean, who who doesn't he's, love just a little bit of Herbie? He's that guy. Yes. He's him. Who, and who doesn't hate a little bit of Brandon Staley after what he did last year? <laughs> to, to recap very briefly, they're in the playoffs at, uh, during the 4 o'clock slate. They, Staley decides to go a little bit longer with the starters. And his one of his best receivers, Mike Williams, gets hurt in the playoff game. <laughs> One of their other receivers gets hurt, forcing Michael Bandy, PFF's worst-grade receiver, out of all <laughs> minimum attempts in the entire league, steps in. Michael Michael Bandy. Yeah. Yes. That is precisely when the Chargers began to blow a 27-0 lead to the Jaguars and promptly exit the playoffs. Staley's back again, but true or false, he's the hottest seat in the NFL right now.
1: Oh, he could be um you know what it's interesting i i actually will say yes just because look like, like you alluded to justin herbert is like insanely good he he's had like dan marino-esque numbers you know his first three seasons in the league and he's done it with like relatively little help um joe lombardi who is his offensive coordinator the past couple of years like sucks like doesn't know how to run an offense for him right he's the guy that should be throwing the ball downfield up tempo which is why i really like the callum more higher. It's so funny because I feel like literally halfway through the playoff game, like it's sitting there as like someone who I like, I'm a big Herbert fan. I think he's very good. And sitting there like, Oh man, this is it. This is when the chargers are actually going to be like really, really good. This is, this is when it's going to happen. And then like just three, three hours later being like, man, the chargers like suck. Maybe they're just a cursed franchise and they'll never be good. <laughs> um, I obviously it all starts with him. They've got one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Uh, I would say he's a top five quarterback in the league. I don't really think there's much question to it. I thought their offseason was a little strange. Um, Quinton Johnson, the wide receiver, Quentin Johnston, sorry, the wide receiver at TCU, not really the guy you felt like they needed. Uh, he's another kind of, you know, I, I mean, kind of like a Christian Watson last year. He's big, he's fast, you know, faster than Mike Williams, but not as big, right? Keenan Allen is getting older at the wide receiver spot. Mike Williams just keeps getting injured. Um, they have the Lidl engine that could and Austin Eckler in the backfield. a uh, so so offensive line, though it should get better with guys that were injured last year coming back. So, like I said, this is like that last team where I'm like, they could be really good. I'm just not sold that they did enough to put them in that top eight teams in the league.
0: Yeah, the uh, the Chargers really they're very similar to the Jaguars in that they didn't do much this offseason, uh, but because they spent a lot money of the previous offseason to upgrade their roster and there's just talent all over all over the field uh the the offense should be explosive Eckler should get plenty of touchdowns O-line is solid not not spectacular but solid a lot of good pieces on defense especially the dual pass rushers and Khalil Mack Joey Boza sucks that JC Jackson really didn't pan out because uh, they're kind of depending on lower end corners now and the one signing they did make this off season, Eric Kendricks, will certainly help in the middle of the field where they struggled against a run last year. It's just the same point kind of applies with with Brandon Staley. I just I just don't trust his his coaching decisions. The Chargers in general just seem to have a lot of misfortune as a franchise. It doesn't help that they have zero home field advantage. They really don't have fans in L.A. at least at least yet, uh, and they have a very tough division. Uh, you know. I think the Broncos will be a bit better this year, as will the, uh, of course, the Chiefs are the Chiefs. Uh, I think the Chargers are a playoff team, but with how the rest of the AFC stacks up, it's just it's difficult envisioning scenarios where the Chargers make that rise to the top.
1: Mm.
0: All right, uh, we're going to get into the top eight real quick. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. What? Top trash cans are the easiest way to throw your trash out as i like to say when in doubt throw it out and now back to our list all right so moving into the top 8 we have the baltimore ravens your number 10 team my number 6 team the baltimore ravens had maybe some of the maybe the biggest drama of the nfl offseason with the whole lamar jackson contract dispute that eventually got resolved lamar jackson is now a baltimore raven long term so now the only question is is lamar is, is there any concern with Lamar being injury prone his style running out eventually or do you think yes. he's got Super Bowl <laughs> all right continue. um
1: I mean I so this is where we get into teams where I I actually think like these are the Super Bowl contenders for our list um it, it's funny because yeah like you mentioned they have this whole kind of not Fiasco but a big, big hullabaloo um in the offseason with Lamar Jackson his contract situation for a franchise that is usually like very kind of Steelers-esque, at least in the past couple of decades, where like they're very, you know, business first. They know exactly what to do. Not a lot of, you know, controversies. Like they just run themselves really well. For a long time, it looked like they were not going to sign Lamar. And then suddenly one day it all just clicked for them. Um, a lot of interesting signings this offseason. Obviously, Odo Beckham Jr., a wide receiver, is one of the biggest ones. Uh, he's going to fill out that receiver room, which they added to in the draft in Zay Flowers, another really good young receiver. Um, they signed Rakia Sin corner from the Raiders to add to their cornerback depth. So the Ravens have always been, in my opinion, one of the well, most well-coached teams, uh, in the NFL, one of the best defenses in the NFL as well. A lot of talent there. I think the question is like, I don't know if there's much to say, like the past two years for the Ravens have been, oh, we started out really good. Oh, Lamar gets hurt. Other guys get hurt. And we end up, you know seven and seven or seven and six at some point later in the season. And instead of winning the division, we're in the wild card round and not really doing anything. I'm not convinced that's going to be too much different this year. Obviously, if everyone stays healthy, if Lamar is back to his MVP form, then yes, they're going to be in that top five team. They're going to be absolutely competing for this division and the AFC. I'm just not convinced they have gotten over that hump yet. Still really good. But I'm not sure they're in that elite, elite status in the NFL.
0: I would say I would categorize the Ra- the Ravens as having really, really high upside. Yeah. yeah. Then And, you know, a lot of that is contingent on Lamar's health. But, you know, he's had bad luck the last few years. He gets his contract. Let's say he's magically healed. All right. So he plays, plays a full season. The Ravens did a lot to address their biggest weakness, which was the wide receiver room. And they had three receivers. A rookie in Zay Flowers, who I think is going to carve himself a very nice role there as a shifty guy. Odell Beckham, who knows what they'll get out of him. But at the very least, he'll provide leadership for that receiver room. Nelson Aguilar, not a bad number two guy. Um, You know, I don't know if anyone will necessarily step up and um, ascend to that number one role this year. And, of course, Rashad Bateman is still in the fold. But, yeah, Ravens have plenty of talent there. And Ronnie Stanley is also elite. If he stays healthy, he's another big question mark. And then you look at the defense. When Roquan Smith was inserted into that team last year, they yeah. became a whole different animal on defense. And that with the great coaching from John Harbaugh that's been consistent over the years, I think we see the classic Ravens where they win a ton of games, win with their defense. Just, uh, But I think the difference this year, we'll see a lot less ground and pound. Really, it's going to come down to they have a tough division. They got to play, they got to play Bengals and they got to play Steelers, who I think are going to be tough. And they got to play the Browns, who you know they're they're worst the division, but they're still a tough team. Uh, they might have some extra losses in there, which will lead them to being a slightly lower seed than the than maybe like the Bills, Chiefs, and the Bengals in their own division. And if they don't have that home field, you know it it, it that might just what might be biting them in the end. They have certainly the talent. They they'd be I think they'd be the best team in the NFC. Maybe. Like they be they compete for the best team in the NFC.
1: Oh I don't know about I don't know if they compete. Maybe okay.
0: not the not the best. Compete for the best.
1: Top three, maybe?
0: Uh for in the NFC, I'd say top two.
1: Oh wow. Okay. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. That's why I have it on my list anyway. Um but yeah, so enough about the Ravens. Uh, high expectations for this team this year, and this is the second big headline of the, of the off season. Mister Ayahuska, Aaron Rodgers. Oh yeah, he. We all knew he was going to Jets. It was just a matter of when, what the compensation was, and we can talk about the compensation, whatever. But we're not worried about long term. Worry about this season. Aaron Rodgers immediately injects into the Jets, and. With this team being on the cusp of the playoffs last year, despite some horrific quarterback play and charisma, where do the Jets go? Now?
1: Uh oh, man, this is—it's so weird for the Jets to have like actual expectations coming into a season. Um, I mean, yeah, listen, on paper, the Jets deserve this ranking. We actually both have them like very similar. Did we both have them seven, seven and uh, eight? I believe seven and eight. So yeah, I, I mean, we both think you know they're about in the same place. I mean, yeah, as a Jets fan watching this team, it's going to be nice to hopefully have an offense that doesn't make me want to pull my hair out and like, can't move the ball at all. Very good young defense that they added to in the draft this year with Will McDonald in the first round. Um, I think the biggest concerns for the Jets are going to be the offensive line. A lot of just question marks around there. Some injury concerns. Um, drafted Joe Titman to help improve the interior offensive line, but A lot of questions with um, Mekhi Becton, especially, you know, they're much maligned tackle over the past few years, he's had injury issues. And so I think that's where looking at this roster, the biggest question marks lie. However, if you look at different places, they have superstars at very important positions. Obviously, Sauce Gardner, one of the best corners in the league. Garrett Wilson, very good young wide receiver. Uh, very good running back room. Reese Hall, probably going to come back at some point. They may even add Dalvin Cook, who knows? Uh, solid pass rush, deep pass rush as well. They just signed Quinnen Williams to a big contract extension today, actually. So, yeah, this is a very young, talented roster. I think the question is going to be number one, very tough division. Bills and Dolphins are both very good. Patriots are the Jets' Achilles heel. And two, do you believe that Aaron Rodgers is going to get back to not even necessarily MVP form, but I would say top 10 quarterback form? I would put him at like between 10 to 15 of quarterbacks last year. And I think that question is going to be can he get back into that top 10 or is he going to stay where he is? Even if he stays where he is it'll be a big improvement for the Jets. But for them to reach that really level of competing for the AFC, he's going to have to be in that top-ten range.
0: Yeah, well, the Jets have clearly been paying attention to trends in the NFL, which is adding uh, an old veteran quarterback into your team and winning the Super Bowl in the first year, which Buccaneers did three years ago, Rams did two years ago. Jets are trying to copy that, too. And, yeah, he's going on to an already talented roster that was, as not even Jets fans know, NFL fans know, that that team was held back by quarterback play last year. Yep. You add Rogers into the mix. The question becomes is Rogers, you know, is this like some sort of like retirement tour for him or is he really, really all in that's, we we don't really know that question for sure. That's, that's something we won't see until he gets on the field. But yeah, you mentioned all the young players. They have sauce Gardner, who I think is the best corner in the NFL right now. Um, they have really good receivers and receivers they added who have continuity with Rodgers which will certainly help. The offensive line is a question. It's just a matter of can they win those critical games against the against their AFC East foes and get themselves in good playoff positioning. We'll see. It's it's the most exciting most exciting you should be if you're a Jets fan in quite some time. All right. So, number six, another team in the AFC East. So, somehow the Jets were third in the AFC East, despite being (laughs) seventh. We got the Dolphins here at number six, and we had them pretty similarly. I had them as top five. You have them at number six. The Miami Dolphins, the story last year was Tua and his seizures on live TV. Oh, God. To put it it one way. Um, And it happened not just one game, but another game where he self destructed and threw multiple pick sixes, and it was found that he had a concussion. So now Tua is doing his judo lessons, trying to learn to fall better. Um, the the offense, you know, takes another step forward with continuity. Lots of excitement for the Dolphins this year. Uh, can the Dolphins? Can the Dolphins take it? Now with instead of having Skyler Thompson starting with Tua in the fold, can they I take mean- that next step? <laughs>
1: I hate how good I think the dolphins could be this year. Um, they have a lot of talent on their roster. They brought in Jalen Ramsey, who, while I think he's lost like a half step, I don't think he's quite that elite elite corner. Um, he's still a very good corner in this league. They still have Xavier and Howard uh, their defense on paper looks to be very good. They brought in Vic Fangio to be their defensive coordinator this season Um I really love Mike McDaniels offense. I think the way he uses Tyreek Hill and jail model is like just genius. How he uses their speed to beat NFL defenses and secondaries. The big question obviously is, can Tua stay healthy? If Tua is healthy, I would say, yes, there is a season, There is a world in which this team goes 13 and four, 12 and five. And they're, they might even win this division. If their defense is also very good. If Tua gets hurt, I hesitate to think there'll be anything more than a fringe playoff team just because, you know, I don't think any of the other guys have the real elite arm talent that Tua can have when he is healthy. I think the other big question of the Dolphins is their offensive line, which is pretty darn bad. Um, They have like a couple guys that are decent on the offensive line, but that is their biggest weakness wholeheartedly. They have very good everywhere else, not very good offensive line, which is interesting because I think for their purposes, being able to run the ball was going to be really important this year. And while I like their running backs, I'm not sure they're going to have the offensive line and tight ends to consistently, you know, run the ball 30 to 40 times a game and avoid Tua getting injured. So it's kind of that catch 22 of you want to protect Tua, but you also want to use his arm strength and you want to, you know, throw the ball all around the yard with Tyreek Hill and J O model, how McDaniel handles that balance, I think is going to be interesting, but yeah, on paper, If they're healthy, there are very few teams that can stop Miami.
0: I don't think there's much more to be said besides what you said. So I'm just going to point out a couple other things that I think will uh, help the Dolphins this year if it goes right. So they add Jalen Ramsey to an already talented cornerback group with Xavier Howard, who had a disappointing year by his standards. Now he assumes the number two role, I'm guessing. Does he have a bounce back year or does does he fade not being the number one guy anymore you know some guys get like that they they're no longer the alpha they don't play as hard we'll see if that happens and bradley chubb when he was when they traded for him last year they expected him to be their best pass rusher but melvin ingram was better than him last year as was jalen phillips can chubb now more familiar with defense can he put up those big time numbers that will help the dolphins you know, have a better defense but Really, all that matters is, can Tua stay healthy? I think we're all kind of holding our breath to see if that happens. All right. Now into the top five. All right. The San Francisco 49ers. Maybe one of the unluckiest playoff teams after dominating their uh, first couple of games. Then they go into Philadelphia, and their, their superstar story, Brock Purdy, hurts his elbow, can't even throw the ball in the game. And that was pretty much it for their Super Bowl hopes. But uh, lots of hope and optimism coming into this year. I mean, we're still waiting to see if Brock Purdy gets healthy or not. But uh, what did you see from Brock Purdy last last year that makes the 49ers so confident that he's the guy?
1: Well, I saw a guy that could get the ball where Kyle Shanahan wants it to go <laughs> um, and not turn the football over. That's the big thing with the 49ers. Kyle Shanahan is arguably a top three, definitely top five coach in the NFL. Um, the way he runs his offensive scheme is just absolutely incredible. The run game is phenomenal. And he's got guys on the outside, including Devo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle to help in the passing game. The question is going to be whether or not one Brock Purdy is healthy. Uh, he is still not 100 percent. There's optimism that he's going to be there for. Uh week one, but you know, they're not entirely sure. And if he's not healthy, can a guy like Trey Lance or even dare I say Sam Darnold step up and be the starting quarterback for the 49ers the first few weeks and lead them to a few wins? I think the Niners have one of the most talented rosters in the league. Absolutely healthy. Um, I I didn't even mention Christian McCaffrey yet, who might be the most talented offensive player in the NFL period when he's healthy. The question is, are they all going to stay healthy? Debo Samuel, their number one wide receiver, has dealt with some injury issues. He admitted to coming to training camp last year overweight. Um, McCaffrey, we know, has had his lingering issues. And so I I think there's a big target on the 49ers back. Everyone knows that they're one of the best rosters, that they're one of the best teams in the NFL. And I think teams kind of are looking at and saying, hey, if they're rolling out one of these kind of subpar quarterbacks, if we're better, you know, if we're good enough everywhere else, our big time players can just make plays, get to the quarterback, make like dif- make life difficult for him, and be in these really tough, close games with the 49ers. This team is honestly one of the ones I'm most curious to see this season because, yes, their roster is insanely good. However, is having a bad quarterback going to tank their season?
0: And a couple other things that may tank their season because I totally agree with you. I'm not going to discount anything if 49ers have. Extremely talented roster, amazing weapons for whoever their quarterback is. Great offensive line of Trent Williams, maybe best left tackle in the NFL, and tons of pressure generated from the defense, which is a good thing because their corner play isn't really that great, Hmm. Uh, especially across from Tarverius Ward, who's solid. Their second corner spot is lacking, especially since Emmanuel Mosley tore his ACL last season and now has moved on to another team. So those issues won't come up much during regular season but could be something to watch during the playoffs and their defensive line is talented but they lost a lot of key depth pieces so if their starters get hurt it could be difficult more difficult than last year to replace them but again fun team to watch we're going to see plenty of guys inserted in and out of that offense and put up numbers and it's just it's going to be another exciting year for the 49ers it's just going to come down to can brock Purdy, assuming he's a starter stay healthy, and play up to the standard that he did last year. All right, so moving on to number four, our AFC East best, the Buffalo Bills, who, for fan standards, after years of suffering, I'm sure they're happy to just be a playoff contender year after year. But, you know, at the same time, it also is frustrating to bow out a couple of years in a row before the championship game. So the Bills went out and acquired some offensive linemen this year to help mask some of the problems they had blocking in that divisional game versus the Bengals. Is that enough for the Bills to potentially become that AFC team this year?
1: It's so weird as we get to these really, really good teams because the difference is there's not much between them. I I mean, I think the reason we have the Bills for a team that I think pretty much was everyone's like Super Bowl favorite. I think they were the betting favorite going into the season last year. Disappointing last year, right? The AFC has kind of been run for the last few years by the Chiefs, Bengals, and Bills. And pretty consistently, Kansas City and Cincinnati have shown that they are just in a slight class above Buffalo. The biggest question I had coming into this, the offseason for the Bills was, what are they going to do at their, in terms of number two receiving option? They have Stephon Diggs, who's absolutely incredible. Josh Allen, big arm strength. He's awesome. One of the best quarterbacks in the league. However, guys like Gabe Davis and Khalil Shakur, who they drafted last year, just weren't really getting it done in that number two role. So they go out in the first round, and instead of getting a receiver, they draft Dalton Kincaid, a tight end who garnered comparisons, even Travis Kelsey in the offseason leading up into the draft. And so if they're going to use him like that big body receiver on the outside, then I'm really excited. I'm also curious to see if they go get DeAndre Hopkins uh, before the season starts. I think that would be a really good fit for them. I think he would be perfect for how Josh Allen plays. If they can get that done, I think it would elevate them even more. I think my question marks for them are obviously number one, like you said, the offensive line, they revamped it a bit. However, I'm not totally sold that it's going to be, you know, know, I, I still think it's kind of, I mean, it's a mid offensive line really in that 10 to 20 range in the league. And the other thing is, Offensive play calling Ken Dorsey is their offensive coordinator. They don't have Brian dabble anymore. And I think that hurt them last year. I think it hurt their balance. Um, and I think it hurt Josh Allen as well. The bills keep talking about how they want to be a running football team, but they really don't do that in their personnel and their play calling. I'm curious to see whether or not they go with it this year or whether or not it's going to be the same old bills, in which case they're going to rely on their talents and doing that usually doesn't lead to very good things when you get to that divisional round, conference championship round, but they're still a very good team.
0: Yeah, and you know, the other thing is, can Josh Allen avoid playing erratic, which is yeah. he, did. he tried to do too much last year at times, which could be you know fault of the play calling. So we'll see if they adjust that. And another thing to note is the Bills defense fell off massively after Von Miller tore his ACL during Thanksgiving last year. Yeah, They really weren't the same in terms of generating pressure. Well, it's yet to be seen if Miller will return to the same form. I know it's a little bit easier for defensive players, especially pass rushers, to come back from that type of injury, but it'll, it'll be a key thing to watch. You know, they lost their starting inside linebacker too, so they're going to have to replace him. Uh, so it really is on the, play, the coaching staff who, who've had that, you know, that consistency uh, with their offense. Can they, can they make an offense that fits Josh Allen's needs? If they can do that and protect well, the Bills can certainly go to a Super Bowl. I don't see why not. All right. For this next part, let's have a little fun with it. So we're tied <laughs> at two because we both had these two teams two and three in our rankings, except we yeah. swapped them. So I had the Bengals as my second best team in the league with the Eagles third. And you had the Eagles second with the Bengals third. What I want to do for this part, I want you to make the case for why the Eagles are a second best team. And then I'm going to come back and tell you why the Bengals are a second best.
1: Okay. I think the Eagles are the best team because maybe more so than any other team in the league, they understand what it takes to win in the modern NFL. The legals, the the legals, the the Eagles (laughs) lost several guys. They lost several pieces in the off season. Uh, CJ Gardner, Johnson, very good safety for them. Um, Andre Dillard backup tackle. I think he actually played guard for them at times. And so there are several pieces that were important to the Eagles depth pieces that they no longer have. The reason I think the Eagles are still the second best team is number one, they still have really, really important core guys. Jalen Hurts made an absolute leap last year, and there is no reason to believe that they are going to trust him less. And there's no reason to believe he's going to be worse this year. They still have A.J. Brown. They still have I would argue the best offensive line in the league. They still have Devontae Smith at wide receiver two, Dallas Goddard, who's a very solid tight end. And at running back, I think they have enough bodies to mask the loss of a guy like Miles Sanders, who I don't think was incredibly good anyway. They're going to rely on DeAndre Swift and uh, Penny, Rashad Penny, to be their bell cow backs this year. Combine that with Jalen Hurts' running ability. If he stays healthy, I think that is the only question mark with this offense, they're going to be really good. Defensively, they went out and they drafted arguably the best defensive player in the draft in Jalen Carter. Personal issues aside, if he's going to be there, he's going to be hugely important for this team. And they drafted a speed guy, Nolan Smith, who is very similar to the other guy that the Eagles have on their roster, Hassan Redick. They know how to use speed edge rushers like that. I think they also added pretty solid pieces to their secondary in Sidney Brown and Keely Ringo in the draft. Essentially, I think the Eagles kept up their talent enough to still be considered that number two team in the league.
0: Uh, and not to discount the Eagles at all, I want to mention that yes, yeah, they we, had an excellent, we do have them two and three. An excellent <laughs> excellent draft and you know, lots of faces coming back, which weren't expected to come back from last year, which it reminds me of the Bucs a couple of years ago. So the Eagles will certainly be the NFC favorites this coming year. Um, the one reason that I'm a little lower on the Eagles is because they got both their offensive and defensive coordinator pawned from them. That, sure. We saw what happened with the Bills, how how much their offense diminished when their OC got pawned from them. And this is both coordinators. So we could see some big changes, maybe a little bit of a slow start growing pains. It's a possibility. But what I know is that the Cincinnati Bengals are bringing back a lot of familiar faces and this roster really lacks any sort of weakness. The one weakness they have is that safety, but how important is safety anyway? And then you look at running back, Joe Mixon was running a quicksand at times last year, but they added Chase Brown, a rookie who I think can assume that role very well in on what is a good offensive line that got hurt like one by one last year. It was very odd to see how it, like it was one was by one it was just like the the, the boys is getting <laughs> killed one by one on the O-line. We really kind of hurt them in the end. It just gave that slight edge to the Chiefs in the in the championship game. But uh you gotta just love Joe Burrow's confidence how, and how he leads this team and the you know great receivers, um great pressure on a D line. Shout out to Sam Hubbard, Ohio State. Uh he's really he's really Sparks blossomed him. he's blossomed to into a great player alongside Trey Hendrickson. Joe Bayouzier will be coming back from a torn ACL, he he should be phenomenal phenomenal. Once again, uh it's just yeah, their their defense and their offense is spectacular and they have that playoff experience. And they one thing they have that other teams don't possess is that slight advantage over Patrick Mahomes, even if they lost last year. The Bengals still have that. Um I think that the Bengals are gonna have the best record in the nfl this year just based yeah. on um who they play and yeah. uh just the confidence i have in this team
1: they, they have a lot of fun guys in the secondary a lot of guys that can play like safety and corner as well and, and kind of like use different packages kind of like swiss army knives in the secondary you make a very good point on the uh consistency in the coaching staff for the Bengals. that is something that i do think gets overlooked a lot I don't know how, especially like Lou Anarumo, their uh, defense coordinator, I don't know how he's not a head coach somewhere, but yeah, Zach Taylor, Brian Callahan, Anarumo have all been the coordinators and head coach for the Bengals since Taylor got there in 2019. That is huge. That is several years these guys have been there. They know how to win in the league. And so, like you said, I don't think it's a question mark of, you know, whether the Bengals will make the playoffs or whether they'll be one of the best teams. It's a question mark of whether they can dethrone our next team for the number one spot in these power rankings.
0: Yes. And before we get to that next team, just to touch on the Eagles real quick. uh, One thing to note is they, yeah, they did lose a a few key pieces here and there, but yeah, they're they're draftees um, including Carter, Nolan Smith, Keeley Ringo. They're all going to be just rotational guys. They're not expected to step in, which will relieve some of the pressure, which makes me think they'll play a little bit better. Um combine that with the, the O line, great receivers. Um it's it's gonna be on Hurts' shoulder again. I think um you know this this is just me saying in the in the Super Bowl matchup, I think the Bengals have that slight edge. And you know, there's always the possibility that Super Bowl hangover, you know, it's it's real for most teams, so that it could be a possibility as well. But I digress. Number one here we go. Big shock. <laughs>
1: I wonder who's going to be. Yeah,
0: it's defending Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs, and everything that was said about them last year, and I will take the credit, well, the discredit for this by saying the Chiefs would regress slightly last year. They didn't at all um, because I thought that, that Travis Kelsey would get more coverage. Uh, either he either he did and it didn't matter, or NFL teams just weren't paying attention because Kelsey just had – Maybe his most amazing season yet, given the circumstances. Yeah, uh, and this was with their their big time acquisition, Juju Smith Schuster, having a very mid season. Uh, the he just produced Mahomes just produces. Uh, yeah. He makes his running backs better. He he makes everyone better around him. Uh, is there anything possibly that could uh, slow up the Chiefs this year?
1: I mean, we could have gotten cute. And we could have put, like, the Bengals, the Eagles, number one. I, I think if you're making power rankings, you have to put the team that won the Super Bowl, number one. Like, the you know, they won the whole thing. Like, they're the best team. Um, like you said, the the reason the Chiefs are really good is Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Um, as long as those two are there, they will literally have a chance in every single game that they will ever play together. There there's there are very few games that we'll play in, one, that they'll not be favored. And two, that people will think they don't really have a chance of winning. Um, combine that with, like we said for the Bengals, consistency in that coaching staff. They did lose Eric Bieniemy, longtime offense coordinator, but Matt Nagy, who has worked with Andy Reid a lot and former Bears head coach, he's now the coordinator. So he knows what he's doing. And Steve Spagnuolo, who one of the best defensive coordinators over the past couple decades, certainly of this century. Um, he continues to get that defense going, even with young guys. Like, I mean, young guys that don't have a lot of experience and aren't really thought of as being super talented. Just the way that they run their defense combined with how they call plays on offense with Andy Reid, it's just a phenomenal combination. I, I think the one question would be, kind of like last year, receiver. They still don't have particularly great receivers um Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore I think are the two big time guys that people will look at at the receiver position for the Chiefs but no more Juju no more Tyree Kill obviously this is the second year without him obviously still have Travis Kelsey and other really great tight ends like I said as long as Reed and Mahomes are there I don't really know obviously teams will be able to stop them we've seen teams stop them like the Bengals however they're always going to be near that top. And as long as they're near that top, they're going to be able to win any game that comes in front of them.
0: When it comes down to it, it's just a matter of the guys that the Chiefs lose, you know, can can they replace them adequately? Um, You start with the offensive line. Um, I believe it was uh, Juwan Taylor that they acquired from the Jaguars to uh, replace the – and uh, Orlando Brown, right? Or Orlando Brown departed. Uh, but yeah. they got a couple offensive line – alignment to come in uh to replace their guys can they perform at the same levels last year um george karloftis is is stepping in for that role for frank clark who's now on the broncos uh i i expect karloftis to have a better season he came on he was on fire towards the end of last year i think he'll have a double digit sack year this year um and you look at the the three young corners that they have that all stepped up when it came to Super Bowl time. When luxurious C was hurt, um, can they can they keep that up? You know that it hinges a lot on the defense because we know what Mahomes and Reed will do. Reed will be Reed's going to be inventive of his play calling yet again. Mahomes is going to do magical things with pretty much nothing. Uh, if the defense can do enough on the other side, there's no stopping this team really, e- except for maybe a very angry Joe Burrow after last year.
1: Maybe, maybe. All right. We made it. We did it. That that was
0: almost two hours worth of NFL content right to your ears. Uh, but yeah, that's our list. And we are still in the midst of training camp, so still a lot more off season to go. Uh, expect some fantasy football analysis from oh. me and Christian, uh, and maybe some other topics before we get into the season. But for now, thank you for tuning in. I'm Shoop
1: say something oh
0: my! No, you're supposed to say you're tion but oh i'm
1: um, tion i liked you ending it with just saying i'm shoop
0: i'm shoop that's that's the episode i'm just it. i'm a shoop on. i'm him <laughs> i am him he's all the right. guy all right thank you guys for tuning in and we will see you on the next episode peace